Hello, and welcome to the Zero to Hired podcast, the show that helps struggling job seekers find a career that's right for you. In every episode, we have one mission, to provide you with unique tips and strategies from leading industry experts that will get you in front of hiring managers. Enjoy the show. Of the Zero to Hired podcast. My name is John Rivero, and we have a very special guest, a campus recruiter who recruits for one of Canada's largest telecom organizations, Victoria Zytel. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thanks for having me, John. We are excited to have you here today. I know you've got a lot of experience in the realm of recruiting, especially new campus and new grad type recruiting, but I feel that the information that you're going to share with us is going to be very relevant for new Canadians as well. So we are going to focus in on making sure that we capture the right information. So let's just start off really quickly, and this is where I start all my conversations with my recruiters. When you're looking at resumes, and we've heard that it takes 10 to 15 seconds to look at a resume, what are you looking for specifically in a resume? Yeah, no, that's a good one, John. I think more than anything, it's really about the overall presentation at first glance. You know, depending on the organization, um, you know, some companies may receive really high volume. So you really want to make sure that your first um, chance is really the best one you have to make the right impression. So formatting, making sure that it's clear and concise, making sure there's not too much information um, captured on the resume and really speaks high level to some of your skills and accomplishments. Um, making sure, obviously, from a grammatical perspective and spelling, everything is is um, properly proofread because that could be a huge no-no for someone who's looking at it from the other end because uh, communication, both written and verbal, is certainly kind of top priority for anyone looking for a, a potential fit to their business. So keep those things in mind. It's all about being concise it's all about being clear um, articulate in the presentation and making sure you can make that great first impression right from the get-go because sometimes you only get one chance yeah no absolutely so if there was um, one thing that makes uh, so in your scan what are you scanning for specifically outside of what you've mentioned I know 10 seconds isn't a lot of time it's really just picking up and this actually is another question which we can roll in Outside of what you've mentioned already, one page, two page, what is your preferred when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at these these resumes? What's the length that you're looking at? Because I know you have 10 to 15 seconds to really make a decision on what happens next. So to that point, John, I definitely say um, it's important that you're keeping it concise within two pages. Typically what we'll see from kind of the student or new grad space is one page of kind of concise uh, information. We're looking at, you know, a really defined headline. Um, We're obviously in a very digital age. So, you know, somebody who has really easily accessible contacts, whether it's a direct link to your your LinkedIn page, whether it's, you know, um, handles for your Twitter, your Instagram, anything that might be relevant for us to do some potential second looks at you, that would be a great kind of first point to start off with. And then as we continue down the resume, would love to see um, a, a really clearly laid out list of skills, whether they're soft skills that you have in terms of communication, relationship building, um, you know, project management, coupled with any technical skill set that you've really refined. So really listing them out specifically. And a nice added bonus would be adding some proficiency levels. So if you're 
you're saying, uh, if you say you have exposure to SaaS and SQL, you know, are you basic, are you intermediate, are you advanced in what you offer? I think that would really help a recruiter right from the get-go know whether or not the skill set you have would marry up to an open role. And as I continue down the resume, I'd love to see, you know, a very detailed bullet point um, uh, drop down of the specific accomplishments on any kind of pertinent work or volunteer experience. So great, you had an opportunity to do a summer internship um, or short term assignment. What specifically um, resulted in your contributions? Were you able to refine a process? Were you able to help a company um, potentially bring on new followers to the organization? Were you involved in any projects? So actionable um, and tangible accomplishments is really what's going to set that resume apart. So you've actually touched on a lot of really great things there. I love that. I love that you talked about the data points within the resume. What did you do specifically? I think is extremely important. But you also talked about, and this is the first time from a recruiter that I've heard, to include other social handles. I, I know LinkedIn is pretty much a standard, but I didn't know that Facebook or even Twitter would be important. So once you look at the resume and you start going down the social channels, what are you looking for? Yeah. So, and, and those social handles are really a way for um, a potential recruiter, even hiring manager to maybe get a better understanding of what some of the activities or involvements that that particular individual had. Now, I'd be careful here in terms of, you know, how it's used by, you know, different employers. In our case, for example, sometimes we have the opportunity, if it's a creative role, if it's something that's very specific to maybe, um, you know, data analytics or something that leverages social to begin with for us to get a better sense in terms of some of the activities you've done for and if you're maybe a developer maybe you're a designer right like that's a hot space right now for us um, in in telecom so would love to see some of the work that you've actually done maybe in an online portfolio a lot of creative uh, designers they typically have um uploaded um, actual direct links to those pages and also maybe ex examples of you know what they've done through some of their social channels wow so, so once you scan through the resume, you scan through the social handles and the social channels, you see the information within those channels. Outside of a portfolio, is there anything else that you'd be looking for? Um, relating to social. Yes, relating to social. Yeah, so I, I don't think using it relatively necessarily for uh, recruitment purposes. It's more to add character, more to add depth to who you are as an mm. individual. So as we think about recruitment and the kind of new age of recruitment where we're in, it's less about making it transactional. It's really more about putting kind of a human touch and element to it, which I think is super important. I think it's all about kind of understanding holistically who somebody is, not just as, you know, an applicant, not just as a potential job seeker, but as someone who, you know, potentially has a lot of interests, has a lot of activities, has a lot of things that they can bring to the table that aren't always captured through a resume. And here's your chance to put a little bit of personality into it to really be able to engage and capture your audience. In this case, could be the recruiter or the hiring manager. Okay, so this is good. So I want to I want to pursue this and just go a little bit deeper, because there's two thoughts that come to my mind. And I know that there's been a lot of information out there that speaks to don't put anything silly or anything inappropriate up on your social channels because somebody like yourself might look at that and might be turned away. Uh, has there ever been a situation where you found a, a candidate that was perfect through the resume and then you went through their social channels and they totally turned you off? 
No, no. And that's the thing um, from my own perspective and some of the organizations that I've worked for um, typically didn't use it as a vetting tool, more as a supplementary way for us to get a sense of, you know, some of the activities and things that they're involved in. So if you are a you know, a student with a university and you're telling me that you are, you know, a proud member um, and a proud partner of, for example, you know, women in information technology. So if you put a direct link perhaps to your club's LinkedIn page or your club's oh. Instagram page where we can see some of the events, some of the cool opportunities that your club has sponsored, that gives me more understanding of some of the activities you're involved in and seeing whether or not that really kind of marries up to what you've kind of proposed on your resume. So if you're saying that that you're you know, a great relationship builder, if you're saying you're a networker, I can get a better sense of that through some of the events and activities on uh, your social pages. So that's, a, yeah. that's a great tip. Um, so, but on the flip side, and, and as I'm thinking as a candidate, you know, what if I have things that are not necessarily married to the type of work that I'm applying for? And there are things that are outside of the scope of work that I would be doing. Would at any point that be a detriment to my chances as a candidate to to get a job? Yeah, and I think you'll get different responses, John, depending on who you talk to, because there's many different kind of, um, you know, perspectives on this. And in my humble opinion, you know, working for a couple of different organizations, um, for me, I think it's all about kind of catering it to and using your own sound judgment on what's appropriate, right? So, you know, if you've had some great volunteer experience or if you've, you've had exposure to, you know, specific or, um, you know, associated you know, partnerships, clubs, that you feel like you've really gained something tangible, mm. please include it. If you were, you know, um, a crew member at a yacht club over the summer and you had an opportunity to really liaise with a lot of the different customers and clients, build good rapport with them, gain buy-in, those are skill sets that you picked up that you might not think necessarily the experience is relevant, but certainly the transferable skills might be. I'm a strong believer that regardless of the experience or exposure you've had, there's always something that we can dig deep into to really apply it to another opportunity. And I think it has cross boundaries, right? It can be cross industry, it can be cross organization, it can be cross department. So never, never feel like the exposure you've had isn't going to be relevant or won't teach you something for the future. But again, to my earlier comment, use your sound judgment. You know, less is more a, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to over and date the resume with too much information and too many um, volunteer experiences or work experience that might not be pertinent. Um, um, perhaps focusing on two or three. And then if you are really calling out in those experiences, what specifically you took away from it, that might be valuable for an employer. So, you know, if you worked within retail and you, you know, did customer service. Customer service is a huge transferable skill. You can absolutely leverage that in any kind of corporate setting because you're learning valuable things like how to listen, how to communicate, um, which I think, you know, regardless of the role or company would absolutely be something you can leverage. Just make sure that you're actually calling that out as opposed to listing of job responsibilities, which might not have the same impact. Yeah. So, and this is good. So, cause I know, especially for people that don't have a lot of experience, especially new grads or, or even new Canadians that are now, you know, they've, they've moved from uh, another country to Canada and they don't have actual Canadian, the, the, you know, the uh, proverbial Canadian experience. Um, in terms of volunteering experience, would that be recognized by a recruiter potentially as having the experience to do certain things? 
Yeah, and and I think each case would probably need to be looked at uniquely. I don't think there's one kind of blanket approach that can be used to answer that question, John. I think, you know, if it's an entry-level role where a, in a potential employer or hiring manager is willing to take a chance on someone, um, they might take that into consideration. Um, in, in some cases, you know, depending on the role, they might decide that that's nothing that's applicable and we're not even going to leverage that as kind of practical work experience or anything that we might be able to say is tangible for to transfer to the job. So it's hard to give it a clear-cut answer. I'd say, you know, again, to my earlier comment, use your own sound judgment on what you think might be relevant for mm. an employer to take away from. Um, and I think it's all about how you present that volunteer experience you've had. And um, if there was actual practical things that you were doing that um, you can take away from, that I'd say an employer would look at and be like, okay, well, maybe that volunteer experience was deep enough. They've had enough exposure where we can now say they've had work experience in that space because they've had some level of exposure. That's excellent. So I just want to recap. So some of the things that we covered in the first half of the podcast is we talked about resumes, we talked about social and, and how to use it effectively. And, and we also talked about volunteer experience. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper. And we're going to look at, you know, once the resume is successful, what comes next? So the phone interview. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you planning to move to Canada and concerned about how you will find your first job? Maybe you're already here and struggling to get that big break. As a newcomer to Canada myself, I knew the best time to be prepared for a job search is before I needed the job. My name is Connell Valentine and I'll be your online course instructor helping you get the job soon after and maybe even before you land in Canada. I'll be sharing my screen while helping you build your brand new Canadian resume that will delight recruiters. We will create a direct email marketing campaign to hiring managers that will make you stand out from your competition. We will then be doing a demo of a real online job application, showing you the precise steps you need to follow to quadruple your chances at getting the job interview. And finally, to get the inside info on the vast majority of the hidden job market, I'll show you how real networking is done in Canada. The average salary in Canada is well over $200 per day. Don't waste any more time and money being unemployed while trying to find the right way to job search. Get lifetime access to these courses at the link in the show notes below at courses.zerotohired.com. Use it to get your first job fast and to get your promotional jobs in your future. And welcome back to the Zero to Hired podcast. Our special guest this week is Victoria Zaitel. She's a recruiter for one of Canada's largest telecom organizations. And she focuses on new grad and new grad hiring for the organization. And she's giving us some insights on what it takes to be successful in the interview process. In the first half of the show, we talked about, you know, what it means to have a good resume, a good social profile, and how volunteer experience can help you. So now, Victoria, I want to dig in a little bit deeper. So now that you've made a selection, you've picked your candidate from, you know, from the resume, the phone screen, 
as you lead into the phone screen, what are some of the things that you're looking for when you're doing a phone screen with a candidate? Yeah, so definitely if I put myself into uh, my, my recruiter's face and think about what are the key things, I would say I know that the candidate has kind of the, the framework or the fundamentals of what we're looking for in a successful candidate. So now it's up to me to really be able to dig deeper to actually confirm what I initially thought based off of the resume and to ask pertinent questions to really round out this individual to see whether or not they do in fact fit into our overall team structure and to the culture of the business. So if I'm going through my typical phone screens, really would want to start off the conversation by understanding kind of intrinsically what are some of the motivating factors for your search. Mm. You know, why are you here? What was it about this opportunity and about our organization that really spoke to you and made you feel like this could be a great potential fit? And I find this portion of the phone screen process, the initial conversation, is really what's going to set up, set the tone for the balance of the conversation. If you do not clearly are Articulate, you know, your specific interest in the organization or even in the industry and really provide a very vague and general response, i.e. looking for a new opportunity, mm. i.e. saw this posting and applied. You're really not convincing me that you're the best person for the job and that you have a keen interest in working with us. And to bring that back to a comment I made earlier in the podcast, which was really around the fact that sometimes we only have one chance, especially depending on how large the organization is in the field that you're in, you might be competing against a lot of different individuals. So if you've been given an opportunity to showcase your talent, really, really take the time to make sure you're prepared to answer questions like what specifically about the organization do you like? How do you feel like this position is going to kind of help you, you know, spearhead your career? What was it about some of our personal um, values and things that you've heard about our organization that you feel really kind of align with your own personal interests and beliefs? Those are some typical intro questions that we've gotten some great answers and we've gotten some not so great ones. <laughs> wow. So, so this means you really need to know the organization that you're applying for. And I know one of the things both Con Connell and I agree on is to customize your resume for every job application. And you've just proven the point that you need to learn about the organization that you're going to be applying for, not doing a machine gun type of approach and, you know, firing out your resume to everybody. Um, so this is great. So th this validates that, you know, you are actually looking for this. And I know it's extremely important to know why you're applying for the role yeah. versus, you know, the, the, the standard typical yeah. response. Oh, I, I need mean, a job. I, right? I, 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 to your earlier comment, though, I would put myself in the shoes of a potential candidate and I'm less concerned about you customizing your resume to every job mm -hmm. or organization you're applying to. You could have maybe, you know, two different resumes. You know, if you're a professional that has, you know, two different potential career paths, absolutely, you know, have two versions that maybe you're submitting. But I can appreciate from a candidate's perspective, if you're on a full-time job search, that might require, you know, hours of effort. Oh, yeah. You don't want to customize it to every single job. What I more so mean is making sure that once you actually selected and given an opportunity to go into a phone interview, an in-person interview, that's when the due diligence falls on you to do your homework um, and really stand out in the process by articulating why you're a good fit to that specific role, that mm. specific organization. Less up front, more in the back end. Oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> so 
Um, so ha- do you have any success stories on somebody wowing you through yeah. a phone interview? Yeah. So, I mean, I love that part of the process, to be honest with you, John. Like for me, some of the best kind of conversations I've had throughout my career have really been focused on really building like really meaningful connections and really deeply understanding what someone's looking for. So I've, I've you know, had some a lot of really great kind of conversations that started off with what, you know, could have been a formal introduction and really led into kind of a mutual understanding and appreciation for where we both come from you know individuals that are just very open and upfront really take the phone interview process and take it to another level where it's less structured less formal and really Mm -hmm. take the time to build that kind of meaningful connection with me as a recruiter and it kind of almost takes me along on the journey takes me along on kind of the story that you're telling and I think those were the most compelling interviews that I've had where I've built genuine connections with candidates who've taken the time to really personalize the process and weren't as robotic and weren't as kind of formalized in their in their responses. Here's your chance to really be able to build rapport. So use it to your advantage. Um, really find a way to connect with the recruiter or the hiring person who you're speaking with. Relate to them. Ask them pertinent questions. You know, as you go through the phone interview process, really making sure that you're being thoughtful in your responses. Because those were the individuals that, as I look back at all of the phone interviews I've done they've made the biggest impact because they were able to elevate the conversation outside of the framework of a phone interview and more make it just a two-way dialogue. Okay. Yeah, no, conversations are extremely important. And I also like, and I picked up on the fact that you talked about stories and how you know, they're able to explain their journey, their story, and how it relates to the job that they're applying And not for. everyone's a storyteller, right? So it takes <laughs> yeah. a fine skill to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely something that you can build on, something that you can prepare for. And actually, this is, you know, when it comes to interviews, making sure that you are prepared. And, you you know, it, you may not be the best storyteller, but if you have a good framework around your story and you've practiced it a few times, uh, the way it comes across in a phone call is going to be a lot better than if you didn't prepare. So this is great. So once somebody gets through that initial phone process and you decide to bring them in for an actual face-to-face interview, at that point, you, you've, gotten a, you've gotten a really good idea in terms of who they are from a resume perspective, a social perspective, a phone, because now you've had a conversation. What specifically are you looking for when you're sitting across the table from them? Yeah. So in those types of conversations, um, it's really about um, you showcasing to the actual hiring manager who typically is involved at that stage um, uh, what you've been able to showcase so far in the process to the recruiter. So to give you a sense, John, really the way that most organizations work is you use the recruitment team as an initial kind of funnel and vetting point of the candidate. And the onus is on the recruiter to really provide a robust um, you know, um, list of, of potential individuals to showcase to the hiring manager that this is the person for for the job. The hiring manager is trusting you to, I've already asked some of those initial questions to your point, and then they now want to see what it was about this individual that really stuck out to the recruiter throughout the mm-hmm. process. So if we're thinking about, you know, the types of questions that are asked, here's really where you're going to hear a lot more technical based questions, okay. a lot more questions from the hiring team that are focused on practical day-to-day aspects of the role. You'll tend to find that usually phone interviews are a lot more high level. 
more focused on general fit to the organization, an overview of the skill set that would be applicable to the job, but we get into the nitty-gritty once we're face-to-face. We get into a comprehensive understanding and practical examples of how you've demonstrated success in certain projects, what specifically you were able to accomplish through some of your roles, really digging deep into the technical expertise, because usually the hiring teams are the ones that have the most knowledge and insight in those areas. So some interviews can be very structured. I've worked with hiring teams that I know go off of a very specific list of questions and make sure that some of the questions they ask are behavioral in nature, looking at certain examples of how they've demonstrated skill set. And then some of them are more tactical, like what was a specific project you've worked on and what was the, the end result. So it really depends on the framework the hiring team works in. But I think the ones that add the most value personally are where the hiring teams and the candidate are able to, again, build that connection and imagine themselves working side by side in the actual full-time role. So here's the chance for the hiring manager to give more insight on what a day-to-day would look like. Here are some of the challenges and success of working on the team. And then looking to really create a clear picture for the candidate, the potential employee, to make sure that it's a good mutual fit. Mm. Here's where we really kind of determine, you know, great, this person has the skill set, but would they be the right long-term fit for the role in the team? So so this is good. So you talked about both... um, soft skills and you talked about technical skills Um, in terms of an interview would it typically be 50 50 to make sure that hey you have the technical skills it's extremely important that you're capable of doing the job but also i'm thinking about fit within the team right so as a hiring manager and even in the past as i hired you know determining or determining the elements on my team that are missing and then hiring for those missing pieces and you're not necessarily going to see that through a job description but you definitely have to figure out through conversation with the hiring manager what they're missing so you know how to bring that conversation to the table. So so once the so they go through the process and and you know they've been successful or they've had that interview with the hiring manager in terms of follow up and this is one question that we get asked quite a bit. In terms of follow up, what is an appropriate amount of follow up for a candidate to do and what types of follow ups are appropriate when following up on finding out whether or not you actually got the job. Yeah, and that's a great question, John. And, you know, I've heard great stories about, you know, two-way conversations and engagement and keeping somebody, you know, effectively warm. And I've heard horror stories where candidates haven't heard back from teams for days, for weeks. And, you know, that's really where I think, you know, the onus falls on on the recruitment and hiring team to make sure that they're bridging that gap and providing meaningful updates. And sometimes, you know, a simple update that there is no update might be sufficient, right? So if I'm thinking about it from a candidate perspective, I would say, you know, using your own um, judgment on, you know, what pertinent time is. I think it depends person by person. I think a general rule of thumb would be if you've had an opportunity to do a phone interview, perhaps wait at least a week before you follow up with the recruiter or whoever you did it with to see if they have any updates. And ask that question in the phone interview yourself, like really dictate kind of the direction of which the process will go. Some of that onus does fall on the candidate. So if I'm having a phone interview, um, if the recruiter hadn't already told you you what to expect ask the question when can i expect to hear back from you are you okay if i follow up with you at x period of time that's usually when the recruiter will give some line of sight to what they're thinking of as next steps but let's say they didn't and let's say you're now kind of sitting around and waiting 
I'd say one week for a phone interview. And if we're looking at face to face, again, if the odds and the expectation hasn't been laid out, I would wait at least three, four business days before I follow up to see if there's a sense of next steps. So I think the conversation should be two-way. The onus does fall on the recruiter mm. to provide updates, but the candidate should be mindful as well from their end to make sure that they're following up and making being clear about the ask. So when specifically would you have a hiring decision in the process? Any line of sight that you can give me into if there's anything that's missing that you need from me to help you understand understand if I'm the right person for this job. Again, less is more. Um, convoluted, long emails reiterating what you've already spoken yeah, about um, in the in your phone or in-person interview really aren't necessary at that point. Usually if a recruiter or hiring manager would need any additional information, they would ask you directly. So I'd say stay away from reiterating your interest which is a typical common piece. You'd assume that if you're interviewing you are interested. Yeah. So it's more so just ask asking questions that will help you determine what the timelines are to fill the role. If by some reason you went in for an in-person interview or had a phone conversation and realized, you know what, maybe this role isn't the right one for me, be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the team that you're working with. Really to be mindful of both of your times, yeah. right? And it's absolutely okay if the posting you saw doesn't marry up to what you heard through um, the hiring team. Maybe it's just not the right role for you. Maybe you love the organization. Um, maybe the location is too far ask the right questions make a sound decision and if you do continue to remain interested be diligent in your follow-up to ensure that you can close off the loop and get that job yeah actually and you make a really good point and from a candidate's perspective you're also in the process of interviewing to see if this is a job that you want to do yeah and i and i really liked how you talked about you know be honest you know and i've seen it reason and i've seen this where Candidates will go through the entire process. They'll even get to the point where they're hired. And then on day one, they realize, you know, the commute's too long or the environment's not right or the organization's not right for me. And they end up leaving. Yeah. They end up leaving after their first day. That's the worst. Yeah. And from a, from a recruiter and a manager's perspective, we definitely don't want that. And this is why, you know, the process that sometimes can be really difficult for candidates to go through is because we don't want to waste our time. We want to make sure that we have the right fit. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a great piece of information. Be honest. And if you realize while you're on the phone screen or even in an interview that it's not the right fit for you, say, you know, it's not yeah. the right fit for me and that's okay. I, I think personally, you know, the, the entirety of the hiring process is really where somebody um, needs to take the initiative if they have a genuine interest or if they have any concerns or questions to do some homework. So my favorite um, tool is LinkedIn. I think there's a lot of opportunity for candidates to really leverage it to its full potential. You're having a conversation with a recruiter about a job, let's call it a data analyst. You're learning a little bit more about the culture and the team dynamic. You've had a chance maybe to meet with the hiring manager. While you wait for them to get back to you, use that time to be very methodical about your approach. So you have some questions about the culture. Maybe you have some questions about the manager. Why don't you go on LinkedIn? Why don't you do a quick search identifying individuals in comparable roles at that organization? Maybe pick three, reach out to three of them. Maybe one of them will respond to you and be willing to have a quick mm -hmm. conversation with you. Do your homework 
ask the right questions, you know, that's really when you'll be able to get truthful, um, honest feedback on somebody's experience, right? Think about it. You're going into an interview process. More likely than not, your hiring team is going to paint a great picture, right? They're trying to attract you. They think you're a good candidate. They really want to sell you on why it's a great role. It's up to you to really make sure you're getting a well-rounded picture so there are no surprises Mm. to your point, John, when you come in and might realize that it's not the right fit environment dynamic for you. Well, that's a great point. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you for all the information that you've shared with us today. If candidates were interested in connecting with you somehow, uh, what would be one of those ways that they can connect with you? Yeah, I love um, meeting new people through LinkedIn. It's the tool that I use most often on a day-to-day basis. Um, I'm very engaged on it, so I would love to connect with any of, of, of your followers, John, and, and have a chance to maybe give them some additional um, advice or, or support if they need it. Yeah, and I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn. I follow you and I see your posts, and there's a lot of great information there and some of the success stories that you have, so that's great. So I will definitely include... Your, linked, uh, your LinkedIn link in the show notes so people can access you that way. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you again for, for participating for in the podcast and for being part of our show. Thanks so much for having me, John. It was wonderful. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of the Zero to Hired podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Zero to Hired podcast. Make sure you check out our website, www.zerotohired.com and download your free resume template that's proven to get results, complete with examples and guidelines. Make sure you tune in as we interview leading industry experts who provide tips and strategies to help you get the career that's right for you.